as symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome to Arn. This is Paul Bromwell. And as always, I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the creator of that spine buster, the 1A at Tag Team Wrestling, RTV champion, the author and hero of his own graphic novel, a man with his own action figure. And even though I'm his co-host, as we learned on the last episode of Ask Arn, he would rather spine buster me once a month than Russell Elegante. He's the enforcer. He's double A. He's Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, my friend? You couldn't get through one episode without Elegante, could you? No, 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 I couldn't. I couldn't. And, uh, buddy, listen, I am just so excited uh, to be back with you. We recorded last week after a few weeks on hiatus, and uh, I'm just, you know, extra giddy. I'm uh, getting to see my friends again every week. You, you, know? miss, you missed me. I did. I missed you, and uh, I'm so glad uh, that we're reunited and back together again, back to our weekly uh, weekly occurrence of recording together, and uh, it's good to see you. But uh, I-, I said it in your opener, and we talked about it at the end of last week, the My Life as Wrestling's Enforcer, Arn Anderson. And Arn, you joked around and said, if you could get on that boat and row that boat to get it faster to all of us, you would. We're anxious. We can't wait to see it. But outside of that, I know that you are pumped to to see what, how that turned out. And you've said it before on the show. There's going to be a lot of stories that we maybe have not heard before, right? Yeah, because it's real life. And prior to me getting really involved full-time in the wrestling business, there's a lot of, a lot of growing up history there. Can't wait. Me too. Well, me too, yeah. buddy. Me too. It, it, uh, it, hopefully we'll uh, we'll have it in our mitts sooner than later i know they're working hard on it and so we're excited about that the other thing you and i touched on last week and i want to talk about it again is uh the merch because we often get questions about the awesome and comments about the awesome arn anderson merch and four horsemen merch i'm wearing another hoodie today with that classic uh tv title graphic on it you have an arn anderson shirt on that you're wearing that looks sharp with the the black with the white lettering. I got my horseman hat on. I got horseman jackets behind me. Buddy, there's something for everybody over at boxagimmicks.com when it comes to Arn Anderson and Four Horsemen merchandise. But this is the time when you need to start stocking up on those Christmas gifts. You need to grab those jackets and get yourself some hoodies. Uh, perfect for every occasion, man, isn't it? All the stuff we have over there. Well, it's stuff that you can get that you can't walk. You know, if you walk the mall, you're going to get what you get. This yeah. stuff is very rare. It's eye-catching. People that remember, they go, hey, I like that shirt. You know, it reminds me of when I was a kid and all that stuff. So that's that's really what we're doing. We're going back, reliving a career and, and a life. And uh, this is a reminder for those folks that were there for it live. And listen, if you're buying stuff that has the Four Horsemen logo on it and it's not from the Arn Anderson store, 
it ain't real. All right. So get you the real stuff. Okay. The stuff that's been uh, legally binding and uh, Arn is the only one that owns that trademark. And uh, you can find all that merchandise over there and hit us up. If you have some ideas and other designs or fun things, certain products, you know, we're, we're, we're still working on, would love to do. But uh, what we have over there is quite the amount of merch. So check it out. And uh, we really do appreciate your support because honestly, Arn, we can't do this without our listeners and the support of all the fans. They love to come out and see you and see Brock and uh, get your autograph. And, uh, you know, we'll continue to advertise your appearances here on the show as we have done week in and week out. And again, I appreciate everybody. Uh, appreciate all your support. Um we're here for you. This is like, you know, talking to people like a couple of weeks ago and the different, you know, appearances that I make, you know, the first thing they say is, Hey, love Paul, love the podcast. Oh, wow. So, uh, it's working, buddy. It's working. All right. Well, Hey man, that sounds good with me. As long as they are enjoying, uh, what we're doing together, man, that makes my day. And, uh, I just, my goal is just to help facilitate you telling some fantastic stories. And if that's being accomplished then wonderful, uh, that, that's wonderful news. And I just have a great time getting to, uh, spend an hour or so with you each and every week. So let's do it. Let's jump in without further delay. Let's start talking about those stories from January as we change calendar year from 93 January over to 1994. And as we concluded in 1993 last week, it was a jam packed episode. Uh, we finished with that awesome main event between Ric Flair and Vader Flair won the title from Vader. It was emotional. It was a demanding physical match. It was a hot Charlotte crowd. It all went down. Uh, Flair's work rate was arguably the best had been in years, but the match was so exhausting that Flair takes a couple of weeks off. Not, not a couple of weeks, should I say, but he takes a couple shows off. And uh, you know who the company turns to during that time when the, he took a few shows off? None other than my guy right here, the enforcer, Arn Anderson. Uh, so we're going to jump into that this month. And after about an eight-week absence, you return to WCW on December 28th in Winston-Salem. That's right, just where you were a few weeks ago in front of a crowd of about 850 people. And that night, your opponent is none other than Paul Roma. And you defeated your former partner in just under five minutes to open the show with the move that you've made famous, buddy, the Spine Buster. And then the following day, you subbed for Ric Flair, who was scheduled to take on Shanghai Pierce. <laughs> this match takes place at the Dorton Arena in Raleigh in front of 900. And then you round out the month in Columbia, South Carolina, wrestling Shanghai in the opening match of the card in front of an audience of 1,600. So, Arn, uh, you know, while the attendance for these three shows is, is low, you're back in action. Uh, what do you think, man? What's your process of preparing from uh, kind of a, a longer, you know, absence and coming back uh, to the wrestling ring? What does that look like? It's what I do. Were you ever worried about rust or cardio or whatever? Or were you just like, hey, I've been doing this for so long. It's like riding a bike. Let me tell you the truth of the matter. You can wrestle for 10 years and you can take five to seven days off. And when you come back that next morning, you're sore. I bet. And that is, it's all, it is the... 
It is the most frustrating deal. I mean, you literally, you could wrestle 250 days a year for 10 years, and then you take five, six, seven days off, and your sore is a rising. But it doesn't take long to get back in the groove. Thank God. It's crazy to me how that your body just just calluses to the to the bumps. You have to wrestle. A lot. The only way to get in ring shape is to wrestle. You can do all the cardio. You can do all the running. You can do all the stairmaster, free squats. The only way to get in shape is to wrestle. And that's why you see guys now that have returned to the ring after a while. They're going to go down, whether it's whatever wrestling school or NXT or whatever the keeps me. They're going down somewhere to wrestle a bit before they come back to TV. Get you know what I mean? Throw their bodies around that mat a little bit, toughen it up again. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it. You said it. It's like, it's like when you first start working out, the gnarling on the bar will cause calluses on your hand. You know, if you don't wear gloves or something like that. And uh, it just, it's just uh, the same thing with your body. Your body just smacking that mat, smacking that mat, smacking that mat over time. You just get in ring shape. Mm. It's the only way to describe it, I guess. You, uh, we're going to talk about something a little less serious now. We're going to transition of uh, beating your body up. And we're going to talk about how we, a few weeks ago, talked about the Clash of the Champions when the Shockmaster debuted for WCW as the mystery partner for Sting and Davey Boy Smith. And, uh, you know, we've talked about the trip, the helmet, the voiceover by Ole. But here we are. We're in January 1994, and the Super Shockmaster made his one and only appearance on January 16th, 1994, on the main event. Buddy, this guy's coming full circle. We've seen him with the helmet and the only voice. Last week, me and you see him with the white construction worker helmet on, right? It comes yep. out ringside. Now, here we go. January, he's the super shock master. And as our fans have come to expect, we have the, the clip. We got a complete match. We got a promo. Uh, we have four clips this week. This is our first one. We're going to watch the debut of the super shock master. Arnett just gets better, my friend. Back with you on the main event, our hour and a half version on this Sunday, and take a look at the Super Shockmaster. The Super Shockmaster. That's right. Read my lips and read the uh, video font. Super Shockmaster. It looks like the same Shockmaster to me. Well, I would have to agree he is the same size. I tell you what, let's see if he falls down. We'll know for sure. I guess we will. Oh, Larry. Went up against oh Mike God. Thor, the Super Shockmaster. We have seen him on an interview with... Have a good look. Well, you can't tell from here. You can't tell. Look at him. It's the same Shockmaster. Larry, I'm not sure. Uh, into the chest. The Shockmaster had a lot more hair down his back and everything. Maybe you got a haircut. Get the mask on. Well, thank you. Have an answer for everything, would you? A big knee lift. The Super Shockmaster, Gene Okerlund, on Saturday night, previously, was talking to the Shockmaster, and we had an interview from the Super Shockmaster, who claims they are two entirely different people, Larry. And of course, I'm rarely read, wrong, but it looks like the same Shockmaster. You're right. You're rarely wrong. You're right about that. 
A lot of power here. Big guy. Just overwhelming Mike Thor now. Well, that's one person, Mike Thor, who definitely doesn't know who he is or who his opponent is right now. Now, wait a second. Whoever it is, this guy definitely a huge man. And he's also breaking a few rules here, which is not like the Shockmaster or Uncle Fred, if you will, that we've all come to love and know. Maybe he's got a twin that escaped, and now he's here, and he doesn't know it. Now, that could be the case. By the hair and a big claw hold. Thor's down, it's over. Well, look at the size of his hand. That engulfs the whole face of Mike Thor. The Super Shockmaster. I got an idea. What? Why don't you go down and talk to him oh, really? and see if you can find out who he is. And look at this. Whoever he is, very strong man, picked him up like a piece of paper and just giant claw this guy's face. Let's go down to ringside, find out what's going on with Tony Schiavone. All right, we've seen this man on an interview on WCW Saturday night, but the first time in action. The Super Shockmaster, and I can tell you, you're nothing like the man that we know as the Shockmaster here in WCW. Exactly. Any resemblance to the Shockmaster and myself is strictly coincidental. You know, I want to clear something up. The fact that he's a big, strong, incredible individual in the fact that we're both named the Shockmaster are the only resemblances that we have. And another thing that I want to clear up is about this big man who calls himself Vader. I hear he thinks he's the biggest, the strongest, the meanest the toughest man in the WCW. Well, he hasn't met the Super Shock Master yet. Yeah. No doubt about it, the powerful Super Shock Master is here in World Championship Wrestling. And fans will be back right after this timeout. Arn, what, what is happening? What, what are we doing here? With the super shot next <laughs> listen i think we're being punked by the research guy and richard land uh, what are they doing to us we got first we had been saying vid vid vader and sid on the beach and now these two are finding this shit that that they think is entertaining you know richard, what richard is this a, yep you're fired richard. yeah research guy threw it in here too he's but, fired know, too both both are terminated but listen tony and larry they're great they're jousting back and forth tony's had some great partners over the years what did you think of he and larry uh working together well we hamstringed them on that deal heck i mean they both sounded like dumbasses didn't they <laughs> trying on. to tell the story of that guy explain that there's no explaining that there oh my goodness no explaining it nothing you know, go back to the beginning, which may or may not have been Big Fred's fall, falling through the, the gimmick. It looked like there wasn't enough rehearsal, enough whatever, prep, you call it, whatever you want, you know, 
before that deal went down. You don't overcome something like that. And they just, just don't. And the more you push it, and oh. then you know it's the same guy, you know what I mean? Instead of, they'll yeah. give the guy six six months off and bring him back with a totally different look yeah. and totally different everything. If you're going to give him a chance, give him a chance. It's not his fault. But once yeah, you not, fall, once you yeah. fall through the wall, buddy, and everybody turns it into a ha ha deal. Ha ha deal. You're, you're screwed. You're screwed. Right. And they're doing it so quick. It was like this month he's he's falling through the wall. The next month he's got hard hat shockmaster. And the next month he's super like, come on, like pump the brakes. Give him six months off. Give him a new gimmick. Give him a uh, chance. Give him a chance. Uh, this would be a one night affair only, by the way. So they just they decided to just scrap so it. So that's it. Yep, that was it. So you have to put it on our show. These we if had it was we a to, one, only a one one we off. had to relive it because it was January '94 WCW. Orn, this is this is the company that 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 we knew and love. Well, I am a I'm a fan of the boys. I'm on the boys team versus the office by and large. Yeah, you know, uh, so I'll, I'll just try to defend it as best I can. Some stuff you cannot overcome. Yeah. And that's one of them. We've, we've witnessed it here. We've watched the evolution, the shock master evolution here from start to finish. And now I can only hope Andrew and Richard that that's over and done with. We're going to move on from that less than spectacular presentation to the state of the roster of WCW. So let's talk about this. You have on top Ric Flair. He's your WCW champion. You got Rick Rude. He's your international world champion. Both of them are being chased. Flair by Vader, Rude by Sting. Then the boss, as we discussed last week, he's toward the top of the card after a career-making run in WWF. He's going to be inserted in the main event and semi-main event picture for the next several months. We'll be talking about him. And then joining the boss on the babyface side, listen to this lineup, Arn. You got Dustin Rhodes, Ricky Steamboat, Brian Pillman. Then you have Steve Austin. He's the reigning U.S. champion. He's having excellent matches and finding himself at the top of the card in matches against the boss, Dustin Rhodes and Pillman. You have Ron Simmons as a heel after claiming that the fans have turned their backs on him. And then over in the tag team division, you got Max Payne. He's joined Cactus Jack. They're going after the tag team titles uh, of the Nasty Boys. You got Pretty Wonderful, who we talked about last week, Roma and Orndorf. They're regularly featured. They're facing guys like Bagwell and Scorpio. So after I've laid all that out, Arn, because while the roster looks similar to the previous year, there are a couple new additions that are really enjoying a great deal of success here in January in 94. And we're going to start with Austin because he and Pillman, they had been tag champions, and he would go on to become the U.S. champion at 1993 at Starcade. And as the U.S. champion... Man, he's got to be that natural challenger to Ric Flair's title. He's been featured in a number of high-profile matches at this point. Um, but, buddy, Hogan's going to become the WCW in July. And uh, so, I don't know. What specifically was it about Austin where, where enough people believed he was someone who could be the guy? Was it his work, his promo, his backstage demeanor? Let's talk about Austin a little bit. Workhorse. Machine, a lot of energy in all of his matches. 
good solid work, good look. Uh, and, you know, Austin was way ahead on psychology for a guy that had been in the business not that, that, that long. I mean, if you really think about it, I don't know how long at that point, but just a few years, right? Yeah. He was catching on. He was getting it. He was destined. We want to pause this episode of Arn to talk to you about something Arn and I are very passionate about, and that's sleep quality. And if you're waking up too hot or too cold, we highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets. They're inspired by NASA. Miracle Made uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Did you know that traditional bed sheets can harbor more bacteria than a toilet seat? That's freaking gross. That can lead to acne, allergies, and stuffy noses, and it's just, that's awful. Nobody wants that. Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, such as sheets, pillowcases, and comforters, and it prevents 99% of bacteria and requires three times less laundry. The self-cooling properties for better quality sleep are where it's at. They use silver-infused fabrics, as I said, inspired by NASA. And uh, the Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. You've heard Arn and I talk about it before. We like it cold and dark in the rooms. That's how the horsemen liked it after they were done a busy night. And that's how you'll enjoy it too. And you can get it right here. Again, very clean, bacteria-free. So go to trymiracle.com slash Arn to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code ARN at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20% off. Listen, Miracle is so confident in their product. It's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you're going to get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made right now. Go to trymiracle.com slash ARN and use the code ARN to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash ARN and treat yourself to a great night's sleep. And we want to thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode of The ARN Show. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. 93 was that year of him as a tag team wrestler, then into that solo run, like I just said, where then he'd become that U.S. champion in the year. Now, 94 looks like, hey, this is going to be his breakout singles year. And WCW, they were going to put some steam behind him. Uh, we talked the other uh, last week a little bit now here, too. I mentioned Ray Trailer. Um, he had a lot of great experience behind him, and he was going to have some potential matchups against Austin and Vader and Simmons and the rest of the heels. How important was the credibility and reputation that you feel he brought to WCW? That's right, Trailer. Yeah. I think that uh, he is used good day one, and he was used his entire career like he should have been. 
I mean, he walked in, Big Bubba Rogers was kicking ass right away. And yeah. everywhere he went, there was no mudslide anywhere where they weren't used using him properly or anything like that. He was used well the entire time. I would say that he was in the business. And that helps. Yeah. The audience catches on when you push a guy properly. They go, oh, this guy's going to be a star. They're using him. They're doing all the right things with him. When they don't do the right things with you, sometimes the audience says, oh, well, this guy will be gone next week, and they lose faith. It's up to the office to push and promote you the proper way. And from day one, boss was uh, the boss. He was. He was. The other guy that I want to mention here that I didn't talk about was Sting. Uh, because he's been out of the world title picture for most part since summer of 1992. Uh, he's still the franchise, still the face of the company. But uh, Bruce Pritchard, our buddy, he's often said that some wrestlers don't need to have the world title to get over. He talks about Jake Roberts, Ted DiBiase, Piper as examples. Do you think that Sting was someone who could go without the world title? Or do you think because of his standing in the company, he should have been treated more like a Hulk and a Flair in that regard. What are your thoughts there on Sting? No, I think he has to win the big one when it's time. You know, he has to have that big win, but I don't think he needs to be the champion. The, the championship doesn't make a wrestler. The wrestler makes the championship. If everyone understands what that means, you could take a piece of tin and give it all kinds of value the way it's treated by a guy that's over. And uh, Sting was one of those guys. You just had to take care of him in the, all the matches he was in that were not championship matches. If he's in a normal match with a normal guy on last or next to last, he needs to win every night. He's the guy they believe in. Yeah, he. Uh, we've talked about Sting several times on this show, Arn, and he's really been all over. Uh, you know, our episodes since the first Clash of Champions. His longevity, his durability, the fact that he's still doing it—he's about to retire, I guess. You know, in a couple of months. But man, at this point, <clears throat> he's about halfway point of his Jim Crockett WCW run. What allowed him to stay at the center of things for so long? I mean, he stayed connected with the audience and the kids. And I mean, is it just the way he carries himself? What is it about Sting that has just allowed him to, to, to stay so, so well in the spotlight and so, so connected with the wrestling fans all these years? Well, he had a, he was kid friendly gimmick. You know, he was, I used to call him glow worm because he would, you know, he'd come out and his gear was top shelf, but Good colors. Looked, looked fantastic. Body always looked good. Figured out the tan thing. Be tanned. All that. You know, all those things cosmetically. A lot of energy in the ring. His style, you know, the stinger. Woo! All that yeah. old, you know, that whole gimmick. The charisma. Yeah. He just had it. And he, and he looked like a star coming through the curtain. And he looked like a star going back through the curtain. And everything in between. He just... Yeah. He was one of those characters, and the office was smart enough that, by and large, they pushed him properly. Yeah, they, they played right into it, and he was he's one of the guys that they handled him the right way. 
fortunately for us. Uh, many of the folks that we just talked about, uh, they're going to be in the second clip that we watched together. It's January 22nd, 1994. It's Saturday night. We have final five minutes of a six-man tag. This tag match, uh, Arn, it's Rick Rude, Stunning Steve, and Ron Simmons. They're taking on Flair, Sting, and the boss. And we're going to watch uh, the final few minutes of these Hall of Famers as they hook up on this edition of Saturday Night Wrestling. And here comes the Nature Boy, the World Heavyweight Champion. You can hear it. And like Steve, I'm sure you can feel it. Again. One of the trademarks of the 11-time heavyweight champion, but he's against the champion of his own right. Stunning Steve, not backing down at all. Stunning Steve, Sidney Flair in. It just goes to show you how close those two title belts are. That's right. Uh-oh. He missed. Flair. Figure four. He's got it. He's got it. And he's got it on his half of the ring. But he's got the ropes. Steve sliding to his left as Ice Train looks on. Steve trying to get away. Flair doing the right thing. Here comes the boss. Tremendous six-man tag, and of course this Thursday, as the boss hooks on the leg, and Steve is in a major amount of pain here. And the, and the main thing is Randy Anderson's been able to maintain control as referee so far. Yeah, so far. All right, here comes Ravishing Rick Rude now. As Austin rolls to the floor, the feet of the chicken. I mean, Sleeper. Colonel Parker. Sleeper home. Roll the jawbreaker. Great counter move. right there between six-man team members. Watch out. Referee in the corner of Flair and Sting. Oh, Joel first. Right in front of the Boy Scouts. Stunning Steve blasting the boss man outside the ring. An ice train standing there. Who's legal? Boss? It's the boss. Yeah, the boss, remember, was dumped out of the top. I'm thinking it's still rude and the boss, although I'm not sure a tag's been made on the other end. But nevertheless, the boss is in trouble. Job first of the safety rail Whew, on the right side. This match will get you out of breath as well. The tag elimination, all the matches will Thursday night. Live here on TBS. Rude coming in with the hard forearm. There's a tag. In comes Ron Simmons. Off the road, diving headbutt. He used to spear him like that at Florida State, Tony. He was one of the toughest, there's no question about it. Sending the boss. Boss who needs, desperately needs a tag, has two men to tag. And you know what I found out about Simmons? He was more excited to get the green from the Colonel, Colonel Parker, than he was over his alma mater winning the national title. No. Yes. He says his days worrying about the amateurs are over. Well, he has money, money, money. Driving in the end, and teamwork, teamwork, teamwork here in the six-man corner. Oh, he almost made the tag, but he was cut off nicely by the U.S. champion. Drives him to a neutral corner, and then drives him into the throats. Stunning Steve with the boss down on the mat. Another shot. 
the positioning of the U.S. champ, trying to keep himself between the corner and the boss. Two right hands, but then stunning Steve caught him with the knee off the rope. There's a cover, but Anderson caught that one. Nicely done by the U.S. champ. And Flair Whitmore. That's what stunning Steve wanted. I don't know if he wanted all that or not. Meanwhile, Rude, about the tag, is in there. Forearm blows right to the back. They are working on the back of the boss. like and enjoy tony shivani and uh jesse ventura uh together jesse and they're selling austin when he gets in there with flair what did you think about them as a as a duo commentating duo phenomenal when they got got something to talk about yeah, good point you know the star power in that match was undeniable incredible the pace was incredible intensity was incredible did you say uh uh you just I pick little things out, you know, early on when Flair was pounding Austin in the corner, punched him in the nose, how he sold it. Yes. You know, a lot of good guys will get hit in the head and they give you a little bit of that. And that's all you get. He sold that great. Ron Simmons scooping up boss man, like a 10 year old. It just, you just go, Jesus Christ. Ron Simmons just jumps off the screen. He, 270 pound, five pound man getting up and down for the stinger and the selling that he's doing for him. Then the power slam he takes from sting. I mean, that was beautiful backdrop. Uh, oh, I mean, you've always said that he's one of the best pure athletes. Oh, I mean, he's just and the explosiveness and the guy, I mean, he, he was taking what normally he's given us. You know, and taking just as good a bumps for yes. the baby faces than 
when he was the champion, he was, you know, I've often said when he whipped you in and gave you a power slam, you felt like a baby in his arms. Mm. He, <laughs> he was just, selling his ass off in this match. A lot of talent. I mean, all six of those guys yeah. are, are hall of fame talent. Absolutely. Uh, Tony indicates clash of the champions is going to take, took place on Thursday, January 27th in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. There were 3,600 fans in attendance at the Riverside Centroplex and half of those were paid before we get into that actual action though, Arn, a couple of events transpired during the event. First is that after almost 10 years with the WWF, Bobby, the brain Heenan joins WCW. Uh, reportedly, Heenan wanted to retire and spend time with his family. And shortly after he left WWF, WCW calls, offers him the color commentary position. He goes on to replace Jesse Ventura in all major events after July of 1994. And uh, man, but let's not diminish how important this is. Like Mean Gene, for a decade, Heenan is a major part of the WWF as a manager and commentator. Did you have any knowledge or remembrance as to how Bobby ended up as on the uh, Bischoff's radar of, uh, or how WCW landed him? Bobby was as big a star and as hot a heel as there was in WWF. When they started the weasel chants in any arena, anywhere in the country, you might as well just shut the match down because that dominated. He had heat. He had legitimate heat because he was such a dick and he was so quick witted. No nobody, bad. yeah, nobody could out, could match him on the wits, you know. And he just, he was one of those guys that when he, even though he went from a manager and a part time color guy, if he walked down, sat down and you, you, somebody said, okay, he's the, he's the lead guy, nobody questioned it. Yeah. But how valuable is it for WCW to be able to pick up somebody like Bobby Heenan? I mean, that's huge. Oh, yeah. It, well, it tells the the wrestling world that you're investing in your product. You're getting the very best that's available. And that's interesting. They're, the combo of Bobby and Gorilla, one of my all-time favorites. But, hey, Bobby and Shivani were pretty good, too, back in the day. Yeah, let's give Tony his due. Tony yeah. is a great announcer. And to this day, he's a great announcer. I've agreed. Uh, we do have a couple fan questions concerning Bobby joining WCW. Brad Stanton wants to know if you were surprised that Bobby Heenan left WWF and went to WCW. And do you think this was a big deal for WCW? I'm going to put them in my mindset because they are in my mindset. Uh, Bobby as many years and I'm sure he was up there a decade or more when you work the schedule and you travel the way everybody does that works there. And now you have another option at, let's just say you're working a fourth of the time and traveling a whole lot less, a lot of it being central or centralized around Atlanta and just a short drop, you know, down to Macon, up to Chattanooga, whatever the deal was, down to Columbus and doing those TVs, it's a hell of a lot better than flying coast to coast and working the hundreds of days that those guys did. Everybody that left there, man, you just you would talk to them and they would just go, I'm burnt. 
We, uh, this is interesting. Adam Krasnoff, he wrote in 2002 interview, Bobby Heenan discussed being frustrated with WCW management soon after he arrived there. He said, every two weeks, you cash your check and go home. I lost all desire to work, didn't care anymore or anything. Uh, did you notice a different Bobby from when you had previously worked with him in the WWF? Uh, but he was our manager. I didn't, I wasn't working with him at a, um, announcer capacity he was just he would just be at tv he didn't go on the house shows occasionally if we were in madison square garden or la or one of the big clubs like that he would show up and you know but uh you didn't get to spend nearly the amount of time with him that you did yeah no, i got you he, he wasn't on the road in the live events it was okay all of his guys were you know on tv he, he wouldn't actually even go out with everybody on tv because that would water down whoever was featured on that show, you know? Mm, okay. If, if we just had an enhancement match, let's just say sometime he wouldn't go out with us because he was going to be with the John or Haku or somebody or Rick Root or somebody in the main event. So you don't want to water that down. Gotcha. Uh, there's another new face that we start to see here, and it's Nick Bockwinkle. He is longtime AWA world champion and foil to owner and babyface of the territory Vern Gagne in those days. He assumes the role of the on-air commissioner and authority figure, Arn. Uh, and we do want to point this out that it's indeed a character. It's not a shoot role. Uh, but even so, in this era, in both WCW and WWF, man, this is when we start to see those on-air authority figures and uh, it fits perfectly with Brian Haremza's question. He wrote the following. At The Clash, Nick Bockwinkle was named the commissioner of WCW. It is important to have an on-screen authority figure. Oh, is it important, in your opinion, Arn, to have an on-screen authority figure in wrestling? And also, what did bringing Nick Bockwinkle do for WCW going forward? So two questions. Do you like the on-screen authority figure in wrestling? I like it better when they say a generic, the board of commissioners. Okay. Issue directors, and I, you don't know who they are. You know, it keeps a little bit of mystery about them that for me, because again, if you put them in that position and they're inept or they shit the bed being the GM, then right. you just got a goofball in charge versus the board of commissioners or the board or whoever, however you were. Yeah. Right. The mystery's still there. Yeah. And what was part B? Yeah. He said, what did you think about uh, bringing Nick Bockwinkle? What would that do for WCW going forward? Unless you were an AWA fan, you didn't know who Nick was. Yeah. You know, you know I mean, when you had those, he was basically the, his entire career was. AWA. With Vern. AWA, yeah. yeah. So he, he didn't mean a whole, whole lot. I mean, your hard, hard, hardcore fans would have known who he was, but by and large. Right. No. If As a company that's trying to be, you know, a grand company to everyone, you know what I mean? And on a larger scale, Nick Bockwinkle, who? I mean, thankfully, I had ESPN back in the day, and AWA was on when I was a kid. So I, I, I knew Nick Bockwinkle from that. But not everybody, as you said, is a hardcore wrestling fan. Not everybody had cable. That was extra. <laughs> there you go. That too. So ESPN uh, was not free. Yep. Good point. 
What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Well, the main event of this clash features Ric Flair and Sting teaming together to take on Rick Rude and Vader, and it's an elimination tag match. We have the closing moments of this one, and believe me, it don't disappoint. That's uh, our third clip of the week, Clash of Champions. Let's check it out. At Starcade, the most emotional match you'll ever want to see when Flair became the world champion in front of a sold-out Charlotte Independence Arena. A lot of emotions. Vader pummeled him, but Flair stayed in there, ran him down, made him wrestle his match and won. And now, Vader, after that big splash on the top, is going to do it again. He'll break his back if he does. Oh, my. Oh, I think we've seen the end of an era right here. Flair desperately needs to tag out, but... He cannot even get on his feet. He's just scooting over towards the... And look at Vader. Just standing between Sting and Flair. And keeping Flair in. You know, something about being in the ring, Tony, when you wrestle. You can feel a man's strength. You can feel him weaken. You can feel when he goes a little further and has to put on a little more. It looks obvious to me Vader has Flair's number. He knows he's got him where he wants him. Yeah, but he's not trying to pin the man. He doesn't want to pin him. He wants to break him in half. You hear, you may hear a race right over top of us. He's saying all the way to the top. Oh no! Vader's going all the way up! There's four! What do you think his ET is? Vader's on the top rope this time! Here they go! I cannot believe it! You know, Fur was in a plane crash. Yeah, How many right. years ago? 1974, 20 years ago. You're back. I don't care what he says or anybody says. Your look, back never heals after being broken like that. Oh, look at and him. the punch right he's taking all those years. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not. It's over, I think. This will be the fourth consecutive time Vader's got it. He's going to end a career right here. What a career it's been, huh, Tony? He's going to. Look at Sting dragging him out of the way. Sting had to do that or it was over. Flair rolls out. DDT. Now oh, Flair, if it wasn't for Sting, I think it'd been all over for Ric Flair. Now Root's in this as well. He's rolling back in. He's got a chair. He's got your chair. Well, he can have my chair. And now he's got Nick Bockwinkle as well. Well, Vader and Flair both have been. What happened? What happened, Tony? Look, Flair needs some help out. As Ruth goes. 
goes over the top. They are carrying Ric Flair out. I hope we can get a shot of that because Ric Flair's hurt. I've never seen Ric I've never seen there, Ric there Flair out of a ring like that. Doug Dellinger and some security people just helping Flair out. It's down to two men, Bobby Heenan. Well, that's a sad picture. Flair's in, he's in a lot of pain. We have to, hopefully we can get some word on the back about his condition. Boy, I'll tell you, Tony, I can just see it. Down the road here at WCW, you're going to see a lot more great fights. Because a lot of people that I've just looked around and overheard, they don't really want to, they don't really care about wrestling. There's a lot of personal things going on here. That's exactly right. He's trying the rude awakening. He's, and if he hits ah. him, at this point in the match, it'll be over. Sting is holding on to the rope. Root's got it. No! Sting held off! Oh. Sting, Rude Awakening! Oh no! He put it on Rude! And it comes one, one two. two! No, 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 it slows out, it splits out. What is on the ropes? Wow. They are coming unglued here, Tony. A reversal, pick up, atomic drop. Rude, great timing that time. He missed. And now Sting trying to attack, but oh, Rude, such resiliency. What a tremendous world champion he is. Sting, he's going to try the pile driver. Sting reverses. Oh, that's it. That's got to be it. Now Sting going up top. Buddy, Vader and Flair, first of all, Flair taking those monstrous suplexes. He gave a lot to, to, to Leon. I mean, Flair's 45 here, and he's just, he was all in on that war with uh, with Vader. And Vader's insane. He's swearing on TV, throwing haymakers at fans. What a crazy match. Yeah, I'm sure the shit didn't get over, did it? Uh, didn't he say shit? He clear? said shit, clear as, clear, as, clear as crystal. Yeah, I mean... The TBS had guidelines, man. You couldn't bleed, you couldn't cuss, any of that yeah. stuff. I'm amazed that that got through. Yeah, it got through. That's the live clip there. But uh, what was Rick, Rick's mindset with with Vader wrestling? You know him better than anybody back in these days. He was willing to give a lot to him, wasn't he? He was durable. Yeah. Well, he could take those big bumps and, and survive it. You know, it's just some guys, their bodies just – they were limber enough and loose enough and, and just, uh, and he was in ring shape. But it's got to be a little intimidating getting in there with Vader, especially when you know he likes to throw those potatoes. You know, yeah, I mean, it's just part of it. To me, it was like sometimes, you know, the Steiners, you know, they would sometimes Rick Steiner would, he had a thing, and I, we've talked about this before, he tore his bicep and they reattached it with like a piece of like 
I think it was like tubing with wire and it was right in the crook of his arm. And some, some nights, man, he would catch you in the chin with that thing. And you thought it was like getting hit in the chin with a baseball bat. Some mm. nights you couldn't even feel it. Same thing with Leon, you know, he would rock, he would jack you up with those punches in the corner. Some nights, some nights they were knockout punches. Some nights were okay. Mm, what a, what a beast! Dylan asked, "Is Vader the best big man Arn has ever seen in the ring?" For that, oh, let's talk. Let's talk four hundred and over. Probably yes. With his athletic ability, yeah, everything yeah, he could do, he's yeah. incredible. You know, we're I'll, talking suplexes off the top. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's. He was athletic as hell. I mean, he played pro football. Yeah. Moonsaults uh, off the top rope. Suplexes off the top rope. You know, Dr. Death Steve Williams played football, but, man, he wasn't doing that stuff. Vader was just next level. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he was. You know, and and just, uh, you know, guys that size just didn't do that. No. It, he, was, he was an incredible athlete, man. Um we will see. We see that rest of that match play out between Rude and Sting. They reignite their feud from a couple years past. You saw the feud firsthand in 1992, Arn, as a member of the Dangerous Alliance, but this installment didn't disappoint either. Only being cut short by Rude's career-ending injury in May, uh, which we're going to discuss when we get there in May of 94. Why do you think that Rude and Sting had such great chemistry? I mean, it's intense. It's always believable between those two. What, what, what was the secret there between those two guys? Uh, well, they both look like a mega bucks. Their pacing was a main event pace. They didn't rush stuff. They didn't throw stuff away. They sold everything. You know, all those things that you expect out of a main event and a main event guy. You know, it's just no throwaways made everything mean something yeah they were they were so good uh finally we're going to close out this month's coverage january 94 with a press conference that was held by uh nick bockwinkle who we talked about that newly installed commissioner this is january 27th 1994 it's a saturday night show it's our fourth and final clip of this week we're going to take a look at a big announcement and then the chaos that ensues on here we go Tony Schiavone, we're going to get you back to more action at center stage here in just a moment or two on WCW Saturday night. Three weeks from tomorrow night, exclusively on pay-per-view, it's Super Brawl. I welcome you, the members of the press, to this impromptu press conference. If you would please remain seated and hold your questions, we have a statement forthcoming at this time from the newly named commissioner of World Championship Wrestling, Mr. Nick Bockwinkel. Uh, it is the responsibility, I think, of both the WCW board and of mine to the fans, to the WCW board, and to the athletes, the wrestlers themselves, that we have to kind of steer, protect, and guide and make sure that everybody gets the most out of what's taking place. And when I say that, it's that I know that we saw the class of champions, we saw the awesome battle between Flair and Vader. And then we saw just this past Thursday night where that battle continued. And most athletes take pride in what they do. They want to answer the bell. They want to answer their responsibilities. But often they may make a poor judgment call on their own in respects to the battle they've got to go into. 
And I am going to say at this time that it is our judgment and mine that Mr. Flair physically is not 100%. And for those reasons, we are taking and postponing the Super Brawl 4. We are postponing the Super Brawl 4 championship match between Mr. Vader and Mr. Flair. What are you trying to pull right now, huh? I said, listen, shut up. I'm talking, shut your mouth! I, sug hey. I suggest you listen. Hey, listen to the lady. When I get the busted up your old man. I suggest, Mr. Vader, so that you listen to what's taking place here. what has just happened. Nick Bockwinkle, the new commissioner of WCW, has postponed until at least April the title bout that had been signed for Super Brawl in Thunder Cage 1 between Vader and the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. Tell these guys to settle down, please. Nick Bockwinkle also has fined Vader $25,000. Who knows what else is to come? Stay tuned. We will keep you apprised right here on WCW Saturday night when we continue on TBS. Good Lord. Good Lord, Arn. Uh, some decorum. Can we get some decorum? Good Lord. Buddy, this is, listen, uh, what do you think about this, using this as a means of storytelling? We see it now, media scrums, contract signings, press conferences. What did you think about what you just saw? I like it. Yeah, I love it. It's like uh, it's like chaos that you really can't control because yeah. you can't strong arm Bader, you know? And uh, I liked it. I like it. You and Ricky Steamboat are flanking uh, Flair. It looks like Flair's wife's there. The Obviously, you guys heard the, the announcement. They're trying to postpone the match at Super Brawl because of the injuries that have been sustained by Rick. Here comes Vader, like a, a bull in a china shop. And uh, he's fined $25,000 for his outburst. And, uh, man, good stuff. Anything that you would change or you, you just like the whole deal there? I liked it. I liked yeah. it. I, I think Nick did a good job. He sounded professional. He sounded, yeah. you know, he didn't seem like he got out of control and started streaming like a wrestler would. You know what I mean? It was, yeah, he did good. He was perfect. Felt pretty, good, pretty, pretty legitimate. I think. Yeah. Well, that concludes our coverage of 1994. We have a few questions from our ad-free shows, guys, as we wrap up this episode. And we start with the professor, Drew Landry. He wants to know, in your mind, Arn, 
are the horsemen, I guess at this point done? And if so, is that a good thing? And by that, I mean, you can just focus on other avenues in your career and not just be a horseman. It had been over for some time. Go ahead and run back in your date book to when Tully Blanchard did not make it. That day it, it began a downward spiral that never recovered. So, you know, to, to, to sum it up there, Arn's fine with going in this new direction. He's still Ric Flair's wingman. You know what I mean? That, that'll never change. And, uh, but I love the storytelling here with Flair and Vader and, and still having you by his side and, and kind of how they're doing this now with, with him and the physicality. And uh, I'm actually, the last two weeks, I've really enjoyed the show. Sam Lawson, Double uh, A, at this point in your career, you've been at the very top of the card for many years. Were you ever frustrated at this stretch of WCW not using you better to help turn the business around? And did you have conversations with anyone like an Eric Bischoff or a Jim Ross about your lack of storylines during this period? No. You know my opinion. Pay me. That's, that's right. it. That's it. Yeah. Every two weeks, you know, pay me. That's it. Yeah. You're, you were a company guy and you're willing to do whatever they needed. I already been to the alternative and, and I left after 14 months. There was no going back. I was just fine where I was. Fine and dandy. Closing yep. us down this week, Matt S said there was talk of Arn being put in a tag team with Barry Darso around this time. Was there any truth to this? And does Arn think it could have worked? As a reminder, you would will work in the stud stable with Barry, who portrays the black top bully in WCW. And we'll get to all that fun and shenanigans in the coming weeks. But do you remember a serious conversation about you and Barry? I don't think so. Okay. I don't remember it if I, you know. If, if there was, yeah. You know, I would have been happy teaming with Barry. Barry's to this day is one of my best friends in the business. And uh, his wife is Aaron's probably best friend. So. So that would have been cool with you. That, if it would that'd have been happened. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Got all right. A lot going on here in WCW in January, 1994. And it's uh, been a lot of fun guys. Quick reminder as we wrap up this episode, if your business targets 25 to 54 year old men, there's no better place than you can advertise than with us right here on the orange show. You've heard us do a lot of ads and there's a reason for that because it works. So check out advertise with arn.com right now and find out more how you can advertise right here on the Arn show. And Arn and I would be happy to talk about your product or service. That's advertise with arn.com Arn, next week. We're going to discuss super brawl four and the double main event featuring not one, but two Thunderdome cage matches. And, uh, my goodness, you're going to challenge his Lordship, Steven Regal in a 30 minute match for the television title. Uh, we're not going to watch all 30 minutes, but we're going to talk about it and it's going to be fun. We'll tell you everything that happens and, uh, the aftermath of that event. Uh, but buddy, that's going to do it for us this week. Appreciate everything you've done, Paul. Thanks for worrying about me and covering for me. And, uh, I apologize to the folks that were let down, uh, cause I couldn't be on the broadcast with guys. I'm going to be perfectly honest with you. I hate to admit this, but I couldn't sit in the chair that long. 
I, I know you couldn't, but buddy, I'm just glad to hear that you're feeling better and hopefully they can continue to get working on you and you get better, stronger, faster, quicker. Now you sound like the, the $6 million man, but hopefully they, uh, they continue to work on you and you're starting to feel better, buddy. Thank you so much for doing this with me this week on behalf of the enforcer Arn Anderson. This is Paul Bromwell and we'll see you right back here next week for another episode of Arn. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.